Hello, and welcome to Genetics Unzipped, the Genetic Society podcast with me, Dr. Kat Arney. We're going behind the scenes at the iconic Royal Institution Christmas Lectures with Professors Alice Roberts and Aoife McLeisert, plus the fire-obsessed demonstration expert, Fran Scott, to find the answer to the question, who am I? weeks ago, I was lucky enough to be able to sneak into the Royal Institution in London to spy on the rehearsals for the 2018 Christmas Lectures, presented by evolutionary biologist and anthropologist Alice Roberts and molecular geneticist Aoife McLeisert, in partnership with the Genetic Society. They'll be broadcast on TV on BBC4 at 8pm every evening, from the 26th to the 28th of December, and on iPlayer after that, so it's perfect for settling down with a mince pie or three. But until then, enjoy this little preview. So, so now we've got pregnant mum. Pregnant mum, Rosie. And Jill. Yes, yeah. who's doing the ultrasound. Is it big? No, Does it need plugging in? Well, it's like a bed and a... Yeah, it needs plugging in. So it probably needs to come from there, then. OK, cool. As the presenters and crew took a break for lunch, I was able to take a moment with Alice in the famed Red Velvet Theatre that's hosted the Christmas lectures since they first started back in 1825. Aimed at a younger audience, the lectures were certainly an unmissable part of my childhood and they've been given by scientists such as Michael Faraday, David Attenborough, Carl Sagan and Richard Dawkins. More recently, they've even let a few women have a go, like astrophysicist Monica Grady, plant biologist Sue Hartley, technologist Danielle George and the Genetic Society's own Vice President for the Public Understanding of Genetics, Professor Alison Woolard. So I had to ask Alice... Just how excited is she to be standing here today? Oh, massively excited. Um, I grew up watching the Christmas lectures and so to have the opportunity to do them. And, you know, I watch them now with my kids as well, so they're really excited too. I've got a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. So, yeah, there's a lot of excitement in our house about me doing the Christmas lectures this year. So tell me about the theme. Where did you start thinking about this question, who am I? Well, you know, this is a question which pretty much underlies all of my work, always has done uh, searching for answers to the question of origins. And, you know, the question, who am I, is an enduring human question. I think people have always asked it as soon as people were sentient enough to do it, as soon as we had something that felt a bit like human consciousness, people would look at themselves and go, who am I? Where do I come from? And you know, it's so important to us as individuals to understand that. And I think that as we grow up, we start thinking quite carefully about our own identity. But then it expands into something much bigger, doesn't it? And we start thinking about where we come from as humans. And every single culture around the world, through time and uh, and through space, has always looked into those questions. Every single culture has a has an origin myth. And then, of course, what we've got now with science is the prospect of constructing not just an origin myth, but a real origin story. And I think that gives us a really good sense of, uh, of who we are and where we came from. If we look at the evolution of humans on the planet, if we look at how humanity has changed over time, at the origin of our own species in Africa, the colonisation of the globe, and all of the migration and mixing that has carried on happening, and we're seeing that through genetics now, that it wasn't just simply a 
a movement out of Africa and then everybody stayed put. We've carried on migrating. And that's interesting because it means that the ethnic groups that we see today, um, which don't have hard edges, you know, we're one species, we're all homo sapiens, but the ethnic groups that we can identify today are just a snapshot in time. Uh, they're not the same as they were a thousand years ago or, or 5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago. And so we see patterns of difference as being much more fluid than we'd perhaps thought earlier. And that's all come about through genetics. I'm fascinated because as, as a geneticist, I talk to people and as soon as you say, oh, I'm interested in genetics, they're like, oh, does this explain why I'm like this and people in my family are like that and why other people are different? How have you tried to pull those threads together of the, the differences between people across the world, the similarities, and then going right down to like the family level and our relationships to each other? Well, of course, what's interesting is that there's a huge amount of variation um, between people, even, you know, even people in the same family and then members of the same population. And, you know, when you're comparing one big population with, with another, you find that there's essentially more variation within the population than there is, than there is between them. It doesn't mean there isn't variation between them but it's it's quite small compared to the amount of variation that you've actually got inside a population so we are each of us a unique genetically unique human being and we know the links between some of the the genetics and the I suppose the effects the phenotypes the link between genotype and phenotype is fascinating uh, so we're exploring that in the in particularly the third lecture and looking at parts of our genome where there's a good link between having a particular variant of a particular gene and then uh, the output of that, the outcome of that, which might be things like skin colour, hair colour, or it might be things like whether or not you can taste broccoli and it tastes bitter to you. There's an awful lot of our genome that we don't understand in this way, and that's why genetics is so exciting at the moment, really kind of understanding the links between genotype and phenotype, which also, you know, a lot of, a lot of traits aren't dependent on just one gene. They're, they're spread across many, many genes, so it's complicated. Um, but actually, there's more than genetics too, so the differences between us aren't only explained in terms of you know, what our DNA looks like. There's also chance involved too in human development. Uh, so, yeah, it is complicated and interesting. I find it so fascinating. And you spent a lot of time researching these lectures, putting them together, working out what stories are you going to tell. What are you most looking forward to about actually sitting here when all the audience is in this theatre? What are you most looking forward to, to doing? Do you know, I think it's the physicality of the lectures themselves and what you get a chance to do with the, with the Christmas lectures is illustrate things in quite unusual ways. So normally if I was giving a lecture, I would just have a set of slides to show people. Sometimes I might have video clips and that Ooh. gets exciting. But in this lecture, I'm going to have fantastic demos. I've been working with a team here at the Royal Institution uh, to come up with ideas for, you know, really interesting and some quite spectacular demonstrations. And, you know, if I'm talking about uh, milk and the development of, of lactase persistence and the ability to digest lactose into adulthood, I can talk about that, but it'd be rather nice to actually have a cow in the room with me. So I will do. <laughs> Uh, if I'm talking about the difference between the bones in the, in the limb of an armadillo and the bones in a horse's leg, I can do that using pictures um, or using skeletons. But wouldn't it be more interesting to have the live animals in the, in the lecture theatre? So there's going to be lots of animals, lots of special guests in these lectures. Very exciting. I just cannot wait. And uh, yeah, it's such an iconic thing to do. And I'm so excited to see you doing it this year. 
Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very excited as well, and I'm, I'm so delighted to have uh, my friend, a very esteemed professor of genetics at Trinity College Dublin, Professor Ethan McLeisett, doing it with me. It's going to be great fun. That's a hell of a double act. Good luck with it. Thank you. You're listening to Genetics Unzipped, the Genetics Society podcast. Please do take a minute to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and it would be great if you could rate and review the show and tell all your friends. As Alice mentioned, her guest lecturer and sidekick is Aoife McLeisert, sponsored by the Genetics Society. As Professor of Molecular Evolution at Trinity College Dublin, Aoife's helping Alice drill down into the molecular nuts and bolts of how our genes make us who we are. Alice Roberts was initially asked to do the Christmas lectures and the question of the lectures is who am I? And um, we're looking at this at different levels of depth in terms of relationships to other living things and individuality and uniqueness and in all of these areas um, it's really helpful to bring in a genetics angle and Alice wanted somebody I suppose um, like Alice knows tons so uh, she's really really knowledgeable but she wanted somebody maybe more involved in the genetics to uh, bring in some of that detail and so that's when I was asked to participate to join in this uh, wonderful project and I was delighted to Partly because the Christmas lectures are just so famous and so much fun, but also because it's Alice and I love her and she's brilliant. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so tell me a bit about the, the kind of the overall structure of the lecture series and then where you're bringing in your expertise. So the theme, the question is, who am I? And we're basically addressing that in essentially three depths or three levels of resolution. So the first lecture is the, let's say, the coarsest resolution, which is, who are you? Well, you're an animal and you're related to every other animal, in fact, every other living thing on this planet. And then um, the second lecture is, well, you're not just any old animal, you're a human, and we talk about human origins and evolution. And the third lecture is, and you're not just any old human, you're you. And we're looking at genetic individuality and how each of us is a total one-off. And when you're thinking about how to explain that and to an audience like the Christmas lecture audience, which is just so broad, so interested, how do you sort of decide what angle you're going to take, what you're going to zoom in on when it comes to the genetic side of it? Well, actually, this has been really the amazing fun of these lectures. I've never worked on lectures in this way before because I've never had a collaborative team before. So anytime I've given a lecture before, whether it's a lecture in university or even a public lecture, it's just been me sitting down and saying, okay, what do I want to say? And kind of going ahead and crafting that some way. But in this case, we've had these other people. So Alice Roberts being one, um, you know, so she came up with the original first version of the lectures and then I'm adding genetics to it. But then also the people in Windfall, the production company, they've been doing loads as well. So we, we talk to each other, we say, okay, we're trying to say this thing, could we do it this way? And then every now and again, we're like, maybe we could be silly about this, <laughs> have some fun and maybe, and so um, we're kind of bringing in different angles. So it's been this collaboration that I haven't experienced before and actually, I'm sure these things can go one way or the other, but in this case, it's going really, really well. It's been really enjoyable. It's been a really fun process. And so I do things like I say, so Alice, for example, um, she's talking about the 
similarities in anatomy, especially skeletal anatomy between different mammals that have very different lifestyles. Uh, so, you know, humans and a horse and bat and uh, armadillo. And so she's looking at the bones and I, so I come in and I go, well, you know, you can also look at the DNA and those same kind of trends that you're able to see with the naked eye, with the bones, which is, yeah, you can see they're the same bones. They're very, very similar. And so they're recognizably the same thing, but they're slightly different. So they're variations on a theme. And we have this exact, this is exactly paralleled in the DNA sequences. So we can see the DNA sequences are broadly the same. They're recognizably very, very similar, but there are differences as well. And so this parallel between what we can do looking at the anatomical level and looking at the genetic level is really useful and then of course with DNA we can go even deeper to things where there aren't any bones to compare or aren't any obvious physical traits we can compare and so we can start including bacteria and all kinds of everything into our comparison so it's really really powerful. One thing that I always think must be so much fun when you put together something like this is really digging around and and digging out facts and researching. Are there any kind of really cool facts or things that you uncovered that were a surprise to you that were like, wow, that's amazing. That has to go in. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of the things during the course of this that I discovered for the first time. It's been, the process has been going on for quite a while now, so I can't remember the beginning anymore. There's definitely loads of really cool stuff. There's a few things that I've introduced to the lectures where it's some really peculiar genetics, let's say, stuff that made even me go, wow, I can't believe it. I don't want to give too much away because I want people to tune in and watch it on, on the TV. But um, there's some really interesting examples where um, in terms of the genetics and the evolution, you're just kind of going, that's actually quite weird and actually quite cool. Wow. So uh, you're starting rehearsals now. You're in the big red lecture theatre. How does it feel just to be standing there and thinking, this is going to go out at Christmas. I'm part of this historic tradition. It's really exciting. So I love that the lecture theatre here in the Royal Institution is just really, really beautiful. I love it. And I've given a few lectures here before and I've always loved it. And um, it's actually been really exciting just this morning because it's the beginning of the rehearsals. So things we've been talking about and writing about and editing drafts and re-editing drafts and tweaking words and changing things. Now it's kind of coming to life and um, it's really wonderful. So Alice is the one who starts everything off and she's just so professional and so amazing. Um, I think I felt anyway that I was lifted by her because She's so good. And then I was like, okay, so this is the way we're doing it. We're doing it, we're doing it really well today. So I can't try and copy Alice. And then the other fun thing has been um, just seeing some of the demos for the first time, seeing them in the flesh, because we've been talking about these things and we've been imagining them. And the people here in the Royal Institution have been building them, which has been kind of amazing. I've never had a situation before where I've been able to say, imagine if, and I describe something, you know, maybe hanging from the ceiling or swinging from the sides and other things joining in and they go, okay, we'll build it. <laughs> really? That's great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're very lucky. And, then, <laughs> and finally, if you could kind of sum up what people will feel or experience when they sit down and, and watch the lectures over Christmas, what, what do you want them to come away with? There's a few things. So one is that I think it's going to be fun. Myself and Alice are having fun. And we are hoping that fun is going to be infectious into the audience in the room and also um, on the television. Um, we want people to obviously learn something about um, human origins and relationship to other 
animals, but also very much to each other. And I think there's kind of a scientific message, which is almost a moral message as well, because what we see is that we are all so related to each other. We're a very young species and we're very, very interconnected and we're all just one big, enormous family. So I think it's this nice, happy family message for Christmas. Of course, it wouldn't be the Christmas lectures without loads of amazing live demonstrations, courtesy of professional pyromaniac Franz Scott and the RI demo team. They've been working their socks off to come up with amazing ways to demonstrate the science that Alice and Aoife are talking about. So I just had to ask her a question that I've always struggled with when it comes to dreaming up biology demos. Alice's lectures are thinking about, you know, what am I? Where do I come from? And it all boils down to genetics, organisms, bodies, bones. How do you go about thinking of demos for that? Because I always struggle to come up with yeah. like, genetics <laughs> demonstrations because DNA is really tiny. So what are some of the things that you're doing? Um, so, yeah, it's been a difficult one. One, because this isn't my area of expertise, genetics. And so coming up with things that are not only part of the explanation but are also visually impressive has been a little bit of a challenge and to be fair both Alice and Aoife have led the way with ideas there's a fair bit that is analogous but also we've just decided to think outside the box a bit and so let's say when we're introducing a cell Yes, of course, you could just do that with slides and pictures, but that's not what we're about. So when we introduce a cell, we imagine a cell that's on the scale of the lecture theatre. And so then we've got a big balloon that comes down and it's the nucleus and we've got balloon modelled organelles that are going to be passed around the audience. And then we pop the balloon in the centre and DNA floats down. And so it's just thinking about small things that can actually make something that could just be explained verbally, but actually making it visual and so you can picture what it is that they're talking about. And have you got a couple of demos that are really your favourite or even one that you just, <laughs> oh, I love this, I love this? There's one at the moment that I'm trying to get into the lecture, but at the moment um, the presenters aren't liking it, so we'll see. But I, I like it, but I'm a pyrotechnician, so of course I would. Um, it's a good bit of fire. Um, I was going to ask, are you going to get some fire in? Because I know it's your thing, setting things on fire. It's something that I need to practice tonight, actually, which is... Um, because uh, when fire was introduced, um, in terms of it meant we could cook our food, which meant we could get the digestion was easier, which meant we could like get more calories easier, basically the net calories. And so obviously I'm going to have fun with that. So we've got a handheld pyrotechnic fire launcher, I suppose it's called. And so we fire that into a tray, which spells fire, and then each of those catch fire. Um, that's the plan. <laughs> um, but then also we've got... Um, this beautiful mobile, which we've spent all of yesterday actually building. Um, and it's, it's halfway there. And it's a mobile, like a child's mobile, um, Tree of Life. Oh, wow. Yeah. I saw some of this in the theatre earlier with mm. these beautiful origami animals. Yes. What, what's it got on it? Um, oh, gosh. So we've got a horse, human, bat, tiktaalik, um, puffer fish, which is quite entertaining, a crab. So they just all dangle down at their different um, sections. And so, yeah, for me, 
as like, a, I suppose, I'm, well, I'm a neuroscientist by training, but physics really gets me going and engineering. And so this center of gravity that we've had to work out for each of the individual animals, and then we're going to put lights on it as well. So we've got to balance it. And each section has got to be balanced individually. And then we've got to come up with a concertina effect to actually make it go up in the theater and up and beyond where the projector comes in. So from an engineering point of view, and I suppose from an artistic point of view, it's something that's beautiful, but has taken so much physics to actually make work I think that might be my favorite at the moment so this is your second year doing the Christmas lectures and I have to ask like are you gonna get nervous you have you have to make these demos work do you get like the butterflies in your stomach um to be honest you're just too tired for that because um yes we've been working on them for months in advance but ideas only sort of come to happen this week and this is why it's quite an intense week for us and um, because yeah we've got to make these demos happen in time so we rehearse during the day we get our dinner in and then we build at night and so they're ready for the next day. So we've got two weeks until we record the first lecture and we've got a lot to build. Um, we've got some science technicians this year coming in to help us for the final week of building, uh, which is going to be such a help. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of props to make and a lot of very accurate props to make because... You make a prototype and they're like, oh, no, we don't want the letter there. No, we want it here. And you're like, OK, fair enough. But then that's going back to the drawing board and doing it again. And so, yeah, it's just making sure that everything is as they want it in advance. It seems like a huge amount of effort to do for a, a short series of lectures and then some TV programmes, which admittedly are watched <laughs> by loads and loads of people. Do these lectures and these demos live on? How do they how do they carry on? Yeah, they, they, they do. Um, so I oversee the international tour that we do. So at the moment, we go to Singapore, Japan and Hong Kong. And we're looking to grow that as well. And um, we also do a show at the Big Bang Engineering Fair, which is sometimes based on the Christmas lectures. So, yeah, only I've only been back two months from our international tour. So... 2017 Christmas lectures has only just finished for me and then I've got to switch my brain onto genetics and then do this year's Christmas lectures so yeah they do and they get shortened so instead of being three one hours it's just um well it's, it changes because in Singapore it's a 90 minute primetime tv show in Japan it's a one hour lecture in Hong Kong it's a one hour lecture so it's my job to sort of consolidate the three hours that we have into something that's workable and in that different culture as well and finally, we've talked about your love of setting stuff on fire. <laughs> what is your favourite demo ever? What do you just love to do? Oh, What's your greatest hit? Gosh. Um, it's one that I didn't know about before I started doing it, I suppose. So um, my brother bought me a raspberry Pi for Christmas a fair few years ago. And, um, and I was like, I don't even know how to switch it on. But I was like, but this sounds cool. And so I worked um, on quite a few months and just sort of figuring out my Raspberry Pi. And I was like, I think there's something cool I could do with this. So I came up with a way of where we could live code explosions from it, but using the crowd. So the crowd would decide the order that the explosions go off in. I would code it on stage and then we could make those explosions happen. And what I love about that was it broke down coding to people so they knew what it was about. It got in my pyrotechnics. But also it was one that I was actually invited to do on the Christmas lectures when Danielle George did it because they were on coding. And in a way that gave me my insight into the Christmas lectures, which sort of ended up me having this job now. So it's a, <laughs> so it's a demo that means more than just the demo for me, I would say. <laughs> You're listening to Genetics Unzipped, the Genetics Society podcast. Please do take a minute to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And it would be great if you could rate and review the show. It does make a difference. So thanks very much.
And finally, the Genetic Society's partnership with the Royal Institution for the 2018 Christmas Lectures is just the start of a whole year of celebrations for the Society's centenary in 2019. I caught up with Centenary Project Manager Christina Fonseca to find out more about what's in store over the coming year. This has been a long time in the making. The committee actually assigned a centenary working group and they've been thinking about the centenary celebrations for um, three, four years now. And they decided that it would be a good idea to set up a collaboration with the Royal Institution and get someone in place, in this case me, the centenary project manager, to actually oversee the whole centenary. They had a few ideas from the beginning, so when I started they had a few things that they were very keen on doing and then um, they gave me quite a lot of freedom uh, to develop and we developed together with the working group everything that we have nowadays in terms of the whole spectrum of events that we have for the centenary. The Royal Institution is somewhere I always associate with the Christmas lectures and really excitingly the Genetic Society is partnering with the Royal Institution for the Christmas lectures this year. Tell me a little bit about how that came about and the idea behind them. We are absolutely thrilled to be partnering with the Royal Institution with the Christmas lectures and to also have Aoife Magleisa as the Genetic Society assistant lecturer. The idea came about uh, so Within the Royal Institution, every year they set up a different theme and we discussed with uh, the Royal Institution, they were thinking about having something with the theme that it's now um, this year's Christmas lectures about who am I? And that partnership sort of felt organic at the time um, because the partnership w between the Genetic Society and the Royal Institution to deliver the centenary events was already in place. It just felt like the natural step to take. And we are really pleased Ifa and Alice are going to be excellent uh, lecturers and we are really pleased that the focus of the lectures is also a little bit of genetics is not all about genetics but there's um, an emphasis on it and we are very pleased to to be associated with them because they're such a huge thing within science communication and that's obviously not the only thing that's kind of kicking off the whole centenary year what sort of events have you got planned coming up Yes, so the Christmas lectures will be our big uh, kickoff to 2019, but we tried our best to have events that would cover not only our membership, but would be interesting to the public as well. So we will have the International Mendel's Day, which will be celebrated here at the Royal Institution, but usually is celebrated at the Mendelianum in the Czech Republic. And we also have a centenary conference uh, in Edinburgh in November. And those are more scientific um, events, more towards our membership. But then we have a lot of other public-facing events, such as Chelsea Flower Show. So we are going to have a garden. We are actually having an exhibition at the Discovery Zone. We are also going to take uh, part of that exhibition to Einstein Garden at the Greenman Festival, which we're really excited about as well. So you've got all these events happening, you're taking your, your Chelsea Flattery Garden around the place. What about the actual birthday itself, the centenary celebrations? What's happening then? 
So the centenary celebration is actually on the 25th of June, and it's going to be at the John Innes Centre. William Bateson, which was the founder of the Genetic Society, was also a director of the John Innes Centre, and we felt that it would be appropriate to honour that connection that we have between the two institutions. Uh, we are going to award Sir Paul Nurse with the Centenary Medal. Um, he used to be a president of the Genetic Society, and we are also going to mark the day with two blue plaques, one for William Bateson and the other one for Edith Rebecca Saunders. We found out through our archives that she was one of the uh, main forces behind setting up the Genetic Society back in 1919. That's really exciting to discover that there was a, a woman involved right at the beginning. It's particularly a time that I think of as the great men of genetics, you know, sort of Bateson and Fisher and all these kind of people. Yes, it's fantastic. And we have the letters that acknowledge that, that William Bateson acknowledged that she was the main force behind uh, the setting up. And it, of course, back in those days, women uh, didn't get as much acknowledgement um, in terms of their scientific feats as they do nowadays. Um, although she's considered the mother of plant genetics in the UK. And we're very thrilled to honour her now and to just show that there were very much women behind the starting of genetics within the UK. And of all the activities that you've got planned, are there any that you're particularly looking forward to or really excited about? Because I've organised all of these, I feel very strongly about each one of them. Um, I really cannot wait for Chelsea Flower Show because it's something that I never thought I would do. And because it's just going through the whole process of defining what the exhibition would look like, what kind of flowers we can use to convey the message that we want to send and how the public is going to be receiving that sort of message and the type of exhibition that we created. And moving away from the events and the things that people can actually go and do, are you doing some activities online? Obviously, this podcast is one of them. Um, but are there other activities and, and things that you're going to be building throughout the centenary year? Yes, so of course launching the new uh, Genetic Society podcast um, is one of them and we are very thrilled uh, about having you on board. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a few social media campaigns. So in January we will have January, which we will um, have on Twitter and our Facebook, um, a gene a day. We have a few other social media campaigns throughout the year, but we also have uh, been developing the history of genetics in 100 ideas. So that will be populated in our website. Uh, it won't have all of the 100 ideas um, at once. So we will populate it throughout the year with different things. And we are very, very excited because we think that it's going to be something that can have legacy, but it can also be used as an educational resource. Um, and people can just go and look up different things about um, the world of genetics and the discoveries that have been done in the last 100 years. And if people are intrigued, want to find out more, want to find out about the events, where can people get more information? So all of the events and everything that we're doing will be on our website, www.genetics.org.uk. Our Twitter account is very good to follow what we are doing. And if you have any questions, if you would like to volunteer, because we will also be looking for quite a lot of volunteers for all of these activities, you can just contact us. The email is on our website and we'll be very, very keen to have anyone interested um, to be involved with any of these events. If you'd like to keep up with all the news and follow along with Genuary, which I think you'll love if you were a fan of the Naked Genetics podcast Gene of the Month, then head over to Twitter and follow at GensocUK. 
And of course, don't forget to tune in to the Christmas lectures on BBC Four. They're at 8pm from the 26th to the 28th of December and on iPlayer after that. For more information about this podcast, including show notes, transcripts, links, references and everything else, head over to geneticsunzipped.com. You can find us on Twitter, at geneticsunzip, that's at geneticsunzip, or email us at podcast at geneticsunzipped.com with any questions and feedback. Please do take a minute to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, and it would be great if you could rate and review. It does make a difference, so please do tell all your friends. Genetics Unzipped is presented by me, Katani, and produced by First Create the Media for the Genetic Society, one of the oldest learned societies in the world dedicated to supporting and promoting the research, teaching and application of genetics. You can find out more and apply to join at genetics.org.uk. Thanks very much to Hannah Varrell for production. Thank you for listening. And until next time, goodbye. (laughs) 